Thank you, Paul and Leslie. Nice to have you all here today. As we, uh, nice to be here, absolutely. <laughs> I'd like you to take your Bibles this afternoon if you have them with you. And uh, we're going to turn to Romans, Romans chapter 5. And be looking at uh, grace, grace. Romans chapter 5, we'll begin reading at verse 1. And we'll read the first 11 verses. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And may God add a special blessing in the reading of his word. And let us just pause for prayer before we begin our study. Father God, we come into your presence asking you to bless this time we have together. We would ask that you would be here amongst us, Father, that you would fill us, that you would uh, take us where you want us to be. We thank you for those that are here. We'd ask that you'd bless them and their families. And, Fathers, this is a special day as well. We think of, of Lynn and Diane. Father, we also think of what Jesus Christ accomplished. We think of the grace of which we can be recipients of, that Jesus Christ laid down his life. Father, we would ask that for these moments now that you would have all of us, and the Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher. We look to you with anticipation and thanksgiving for what you've accomplished. Through Jesus Christ, in his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, last time we were together, we talked about God's grace, and that being, quite simply, uh, God's unmerited favor. Think of that now. Nothing that you've done, uh, if, you're, if you're offered grace from someone, um, it could come unexpectedly and undeserved. Uh, if grace is supposed to be deserved, then you've missed the concept of grace. Grace is much larger, and it's, it's without the sense of respect to persons. It's something that God enabled. It's something that He began. And we talked quite a bit about it last week in the sense of how it is God's plan. It is God's work. And salvation, quite honestly, is the thing that we can receive because of what was accomplished. Grace. If you will, that, that acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. That pictures it pretty well, actually. And to think of the fact that, again, it doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter how rich you are or poor. It doesn't matter where you grew up. All of those things are immaterial because of the fact that God, in his perfect, wonderful, awesome love, shed his grace to anyone that will receive the gift that Jesus paid for. And we think of that, it's a magnanimous uh, thing that God is offering. It's amazing. We talked about that last week. Amazing grace. This week I'd like to talk about the fact that there's also 
the provision of grace or the gifts that come as a result of getting saved. Salvation can come only through trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's no other way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And that seems a bit exclusive, doesn't it? And sometimes we, there's something about that that doesn't seem right in the country in which we find ourselves living. There must be many ways to get to that place. But it's just like going out of a burning building. I would want to know the right way to get out of there. All of the other ways aren't maybe not going to get her done. And that's really literally what it is with Jesus Christ. He is the way to get to God. But I would like to take a, a few moments and talk about these gifts, if you will. And there are gifts. We must receive them. Uh, grace is something that we can enjoy and to be partakers of. But there's several things we find in our passage of Scripture we read today. And I'm here to say that if you can, if you can receive these, your life will, in fact, be real. Uh, and the other thing we find today, it's amazing that the lack of realness in our country or in our world today. There's artificial this, there's artificial that. Uh, all, in, in, even natural ingredient, is it real? I want stuff that's real. Don't you? Of course you do. We want real stuff. Well, I'm here to say that the Bible speaks of real consequences of grace in its provision. The first one we find actually is in verse 1 of chapter 5, and that is the sense of real peace. Now, that's something that's vacant from our world today, isn't it? Real peace. Look at the Middle East. It's a mess. And beyond. There's warring and warring amongst peoples and all over the world. And literally, watching what this says, it says, therefore being justified. Now, that's a word we'll have to get a grip on. Justification. Uh, that's a big one that you probably didn't use downtown Sheridan or Twin Bridges in the last few days. But the point of the matter, justification is to be declared not guilty. It's just that simple. Isn't that great? To be declared not guilty. Now, if you're here today, uh, everyone in this room and everyone beyond in the entire world, we have something in common. Universally, we are sinners. We can't do anything about that. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it tells us we inherited that position. There's not a thing that you can do to change that by yourself. That's the bad news. The good news is that God provided a way. He provided the plan of salvation of which Jesus Christ paid the price. He paid for everything that was necessary for us to feel, know, and to establish life through Jesus Christ. How powerful is that? But let's look now. Being justified is to be declared not guilty by faith. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it talks about that we are saved by grace. That's what we're talking about. Saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. All of it, even the, the, the faith itself is even a gift from God. Imagining that he established this for our good way back when. But it goes on to say that we have peace because of that justification, because of what Jesus accomplished with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, you've probably been in some relational kind of a situation where there, there, was, there, was, there was kind of this headbutting. There was not peace. There wasn't tranquility. There was, anyone? No, no one would ever have experienced anything that was on that page, right? <laughs> Correct. But in case it happens later, um, there's something here about peace that you know when you have it. It's so fulfilling. It's so enriching. And I'm going, to tell, I'm going to say something. The only way that you can get peace with God is through God's grace. Isn't that beautiful? There is a way. I'm glad to say. Now, if there was no way, how about if you chased through life for the rest of your life and never found it? I'm here to say that grace you can unfold and unpack and receive it as a gift. And you will have peace with God. 
peace with God. That's the first, and it's real peace. Now, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says that we were enemies. We were enemies of God. It's hard for us to imagine. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that that would be something that you're, you're just in the, in the face of God. And yet, if you think about it, you remember the first sin of talked about in, in Genesis chapter 3? What was that? Literally, Adam and Eve changed who was on the throne of the universe. And they made themselves to be that place of God. And you know what? We've done a pretty good job of doing that continually, haven't we? That's the effect. And literally, Jesus Christ is the one that can break that bondage, that penalty of sin, to have real peace. Now, it's interesting, too. You'll never have peace without grace. The Bible even speaks to that. I'll just go through a couple of passages. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writing to, this Roman, to the Romans. He says in verse 7, To all that be in Rome, beloved to God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just show you several other passages of Scripture. Grace is always first. It is never second. Peace and grace. It's grace, then peace. You'll never have peace until you've witnessed and received the grace of God. Isn't that beautiful? And it fits perfectly. We see through the lens of the Scripture reality as God would show it to us. Grace by peace. Or, I'm sorry, peace by grace. Well, we'll keep moving because we're going to go quickly because these two are getting anxious, aren't you? <laughs> getting anxious. Yeah. And I promised, I promised it would happen sometime today. Right? <laughs> you should have saw the look I got from Diane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that in mind, let's hurry then, right? My dad, my dad had a way when we'd get home late at night and we had to get early in the morning, he would say this, let's go home and sleep fast. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So we're going to speak fast. Hang on. Here we go. Number two, not only the real peace with God, we also have real access. Now think of that for a moment. Access is about everything. It is if you have access to things, then you can get there. Now, one of the things that we don't have, apart from Jesus Christ and His true riches and grace, is we don't have access to life. We don't have access to God. It's only through grace. But let's look at verse 2. It starts this way. By whom? Now, we have to buy by whom. Well, that would be the previous. It says, we have peace with God through Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, colon, by whom? In other words, by Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now think of that a moment. It's not just being saved by grace. It's enjoying living in grace. Now that's the part sometimes we miss. We, we, it's okay to be saved by grace. We're going to take that package. And it's not just a, uh, a fire insurance policy that you tuck away and then the rest of life. No, 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 no. Grace is much fuller than much. much you live within it. It gives you that everything that you need. Real access to God. Let's go to Acts chapter... Well, again, if you don't have your Bibles, no problem. I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 17 and verse 28. Uh, Paul speaking here uh, briefly. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. The very fact that grace allows us to fully live... Standing, as it says, in grace. Now, now keep in mind, if you're going to take the Scripture and, and you went to the Old Testament, there was a division that kept you from God in, in, in the nation of Israel. And it was this thick veil. And, and, and actually, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that baby was about that thick. It was a heavy veil that was from the top to the bottom, and it separated the holiest of holies from the people. Because God is holy. 
And once a year, the priest, the high priest, would go into this area, in the holiest of holies, and he would offer an atonement. That's the word we saw in the last verse we read today. Or a bringing back, making right, if you will. And he's using a sacrifice to bring the people back to a point of where they need to be. But the veil is what separated. In fact, if he wasn't prepared, think of this for a moment, I would not have wanted to be an Old Testament believer because I would have had to have a lot more cows and a lot more sheep and a lot more stuff because I am a sinner and I would have had to sacrifice to make myself right. But thank God Jesus Christ handled that once and for all. In fact, in Hebrews it says he offered one time and one time is always necessary for us to have eternal salvation. Isn't that cool? One sacrifice, done, done. But anyway, here's the really cool part. If Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, from noon till 3 o'clock on that day, it was complete darkness. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time I saw it completely dark from noon to 3, I can't remember what. It was a game changer. And when he said, it is finished, the last three words that he uttered on this face of this earth, it is finished. Thank God. And that was the end of the beginning. Because he conquered the penalty of, of sin. It's once and for over. And the thing that happened is that curtain, that veil that was in the temple, they were getting ready for the next day to have a big hoodoo because it was a Passover coming on, right? And you know what happened to that veil? That it never, no one had ever been, it split from top to bottom. And you know what? It was full access to get in. And you know how you get access to God? There's no more veil. It's through Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And full, real access. I got to keep moving because Diane's giving me the look. Let's keep going. There's also, there's not only real peace, real access, but there's real hope. The last part of that verse goes on to say, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When you have grace, when you've experienced grace, literally your future is pretty bright. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, and it's a hope. One of the things that we were talking about uh, with some young people that, that, that come here on Thursday night was the fact of the incidence and the high elevated level of suicide now in our nation. And in the world, quite honestly, do you know that 800,000 people will die this year from suicide? The thing I didn't know, which is even more scary, is the fact that only one in 25 attempts is successful. So let's think about that. It's the second leading cause of death in the world is suicide. Capture that. And one in 25 is what's successful. So think if everyone was successful, we would wipe ourselves out. Think of that. There's no hope. By the way, that's the basis. You show me someone that's suicidal, and I'll show you, at least for that second, that point in time, they are hopeless. And I'm here to say, if you have grace, if you experience Jesus Christ relationally, you have hope. And if I'm too loud, I'm sorry. Hope. You can have real hope, real peace, real access. And then there's one I'm going to have to hold back for next week because we will make it late. So we're going to cruise on by there, verses 5-3. But I want to talk about a couple other things that are real. They're real. We find in verses uh, in verses 5-8, through eight, I'm sorry, in verses 8, look at that. God commendeth or showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, our love, especially when we have an experienced grace, it's a very kind of a fickle thing, isn't it? I mean, I'll love you if you love me. Well, she loves me, I'll love her. What do we call that? Not a very deep love, is it? Conditional, exactly right, a conditional. Now, did you see what we just saw unwrapped and we unpackaged? Grace really at the very helm of its worthiness and its 
awesomeness is the fact that God, now he designed that back in Ephesians chapter 1. Do your own homework. But in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that salvation was set up before he made anything. Boy, I don't know if I'd have done that. I think I'd have started over. You've got these losers in the garden, and I'd have said, you know what? Sorry, you're out. Let's try somebody else. No, no. He, he knew it would happen, and he still designed. Are you ready? He destined the fact that Jesus Christ would come and save us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Isn't that awesome? He designed it that way. It was his full purpose. Now, that, now let's talk about love. We're going to talk a little more about love with you two lovebirds. Get up here. But right now, tell me what love is. Now, what Ernie said here was the fact that I've described most of the love that happens in our world today. It's conditional. You do that. I'll do this. I'll love you if you love me. Right? How effective is that? Not very. That's right. It's very conditional, isn't it? Now, the word that we find here, it actually is really fully expressed. God didn't just tell us he loved us. That's one thing. Have you ever told your wife or your husband that you love them? Of course you did. I hope so. You didn't do that. But what's behind that? What's behind that? Is it conditional? Or is it, in this case, agapao or agape love, which is self-sacrificing love? In other words, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to love you. And that's exactly when we were sinners, Jesus Christ took the pathway of the cross and died for us while we were still, we were losers. We didn't have anything to offer, nothing. But he chose to take care of business. That's real love. That's real love. Now it says, actually, that we were given this real love. And in verse 5, it says, Hope maketh not ashamed or disappointed. Watch this. Because the love of God, the agape love of God, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Now think of that verse. If you want to capture all of that, it's so amazing. The Holy Ghost, which becomes yours, as you've trusted Jesus Christ to save, through Him you were given this love. And the word is shed abroad, or find, some versions you'll find poured and it's so big, you can't hold it all. Isn't that beautiful? I want a lot of love that I can't hold, and it just boils over, if you will. That's the love we're talking That's real love. Not fake love. It's real love. There's another we find in the next verse. is a real, eternal future. Watch in verses 9 and 10. Much more than, uh, much more than even what we talked about, being now justified by his blood, again, using that justify, to be declared not guilty. Oh, don't you like that? When the judge's verdict comes down, sorry, i got to pound on this a little bit more. Justification. It is sealed and done. It's over. You cannot be tried again for the same crime. It's declared righteous and not guilty. That's what I want to have on my ticket. But because of that, the blood of Jesus Christ, it says, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, the thought process is here. Think of what God did for us when we were still sinners, before we deserved anything. We didn't deserve anything. Well, actually, the Bible does say it says we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But literally, Jesus Christ laid down his life, while we were still sinners. Now think of it. Once you have tasted and accepted grace, do you think it's not going to get better if you're shown as fellow heirs and joint heirs with Christ? You think about grace that you can live by. Isn't that beautiful? You see, we're not only saved by grace, we're held by grace so we can live by grace. Thank God. Thank God. That's what we need. That's the kind of grace I need. Real grace. Not fake grace, not fluffy grace, not 
used to be grace. I want the real stuff. The real stuff. And so do you. There's one more we find here. It's real joy. Real joy. Look in verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, atonement is a word that's probably, I think it's used just here uh, in reading out of the King James today. That's the only place we find that word. It's an Old Testament word. And if you remember, we talked about the Old Testament sacrificial system. Let's say that... uh, that I sinned. I needed to get that right. I'd go to the priest and I'd take along how big a sin. I'd have to take a cow or I'd have to take a sheep or I'd have to take a turtle dove or a pigeon. Now, knowing me, it would probably be a cow. Okay? So we take that in and then the, the priest is going to get it ready to go and he sacrifices it. Now, that word atonement, it means to cover, but there's another thing. It brings back the relationship. I'm in line again with God. That fellowship break is fixed. The problem is... Every time I sin, it's another cow. And it's another sacrifice. And it's another sacrifice. Right? Doesn't that wear you out? Ah. Now again, and see, this is the picture. If you understand how holy and righteous and perfect God is, which that's what the Old Testament spends a lot of time on, then you see the purity of all that God is. And see, when you see what they had to do to just, I mean, day to day to day to keep up, on a fellowship basis, see, that makes grace so much more valuable because in Hebrews it tells us that he died once for all. Oh, my word, isn't that awesome? Somebody could say that, that's okay. But think of that. All of that weight of sin literally was broken when Jesus Christ said, it is finished. Now, how do we know that it was good enough? How, you know, so what? So he said it was good enough. And it's interesting to see when our lives are conformed to the image of his son, Jesus, as God is doing that. If you're a Christian here today, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and grace is something that you've had. His business is to make you more like Jesus every single day. That's what he wants you to be like. Now think of Jesus. He walked this world for 33 years. And he became, every single day, he was interested in doing what God's plan was. Not my will, but thine. Remember the night before that he was betrayed? Or actually the very night of? He'd partake in a communion time, a time of sharing intimately with his disciples. And he knew within a few short hours that his life would be on the line. He would be betrayed by one of the very insiders, if you will, one of those disciples. He would be be betrayed. And he knew the cross was coming down the road. Remember, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was literally perspiring drops of blood. That's intensity. But here's the bottom. He said, not my will, but thine. What if he had bailed out? Could have he? Absolutely. He didn't. He didn't know anybody. You know where we'd be today? We probably wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. Now, he died. Okay. He died on a cross. He was buried. He was in the ground for three days. So how do we know it was good enough? This next thing I'm going to tell you is the reason that I'm here before you today. Because if this hadn't happened, I would have nothing, 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 nothing. Because everyone else is still in the grave. But Jesus Christ, through the power of God, to prove the fact that his atonement, his bringing back a relationship, his justifying by his blood, he was resurrected and brought to life. And that's what made the deal a stamp of approval. And that's beautiful. That resurrection, and he appeared to many people. He appeared, in fact, how would you like to have grown up in Jesus' family? Now, Jesus was the oldest. Mary and Joseph and Jesus 
And then there's a whole host of other family members that are listed in the scripture. I'm thinking of James right now. Oh, yeah, Jesus. He's never wrong. Everybody loves Jesus. Right? In fact, it says that his family was actually against him. They didn't believe him. You know what made James a believer? And he actually was martyred and he wrote a book called the Epistle of James. You know what it was? James was appeared to by Jesus after he had been dead and buried. It says in 1 Corinthians that he appeared to James. Now, I'm going to tell you, that would make me a believer. Jesus, I believe you. And see, that's the ticket. That is the ticket. Now, you say, well, how do we know he rose from the dead? Let's put your slip into the sandals of the 11 apostles. I'm not saying 12 because Judas Iscariot, he bought his ticket when he betrayed Jesus. But the other 11, put, put your... And they walked with him for three years. They know this guy inside out. They watched him die, lost all of her hopes. She's, whew. Have you ever been on a campaign where you thought, this is what we need to happen. This will change the world. This will be so awesome, I can't believe it. And then it just falls apart. Just falls apart. Now think of those 11 disciples, especially watching as their savior. Now they didn't even see him fully. They saw him as a savior from the Roman grip. The tyrannical Romans. If we could ever break that, our life would be awesome. And he came not to take them away from that. That was the, the first coming literally was to take care of sin's problem. I'm glad that he did that for me. But here we go. So they're watching and they're seeing this and he dies on a cross. He's buried. What do you do next? You give up. In fact, we find the disciples, all of the heirs out of that blue. They were arguing on the very night. They were enjoying the Last Supper together. What we call the Last Supper, that communion time. They were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom once Jesus whipped out and beat the Romans. I'm going to tell you how much of that talk was going on after he died. Zero-ness. But when he appeared to them after he died, he just showed up. In fact, they were locking doors. Why were they locking doors? Well, if they killed the master and we're the disciples, we're on the name list. You look in the scriptures, the doors were locked, and all of a sudden Jesus is right in the middle of them. <laughs> right? Now, how do we know that they believed what he said? Because he appeared in his resurrected body, and I'm going to say this. You will never die for a lie that you know is a lie. It won't happen. If they would have known Jesus was a fraud... There's no way that they would have given their life. There's no way, nor will you. If you know there's a lie, you don't, you don't, you don't give up your life. Think of that. That's where the power is at. That's literally how you can have joy today. Real joy is because of what Jesus accomplished. So let's review quickly. We're talking about the provisions or the gifts of grace. Now, these, these are things that are yours, but you need to receive them. See, we can go through life. You can maybe be a Christian today. You may have accepted Jesus Christ by, by faith and grace is, is a saving grace. But you know what? These things that we talked about are parts that make your life more vivacious and more vibrant and full. But you know what? You need to appropriate them. If you don't take a gift, it really wasn't a gift, was it? So let's review these quickly and see how well you guys remember. Now, we'll stay here, Diane. Unfortunately, if they don't get these right, we're going to have to keep going through this. So you never help them out. <laughs> Did you see what she said? She said, smarten up. So here we go. So does that mean you're not going to help them? Ah. All right. So, so let's write them down. Or let's, let's, let's review them. The first thing we found in verse 1 of chapter 5 was real peace. Real peace. 
Real peace with God. And we could go on for just a second saying this. Because you have real peace with God, that takes you out of the picture of any enmity. But there's another part of it. As you engage and you walk in the Spirit and are filled with the Spirit, guess what? Then you have the peace of God. With God, of God. Isn't that? And that's what I really, that's what you guys want. But let's keep going. Number two is the fact that we have real access. You have access to God because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Real peace, real access. And thirdly, a hope. Your future is fixed. If you've been saved by grace, you're held by grace, you're walking in grace. You have a glorious, wonderful future, a real hope. Now, there's one, like I told you, number four, which I won't tell you because I'm not like that. But there's one we're not talking about today, and you'll have to come back next week to find out what it is. No pressure here or anything, but the next one we talked about was what? Real, real love. Real agapao love. Self-sacrificing. Just as Jesus Christ died for us, that's a picture for what we should be doing. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later, you two, right? Amen. amen. She said, what do you say, Lynn? This, 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 is, this is a test. This is a test. Say amen. Brother, say amen. We're going to talk about some other words you need to master, but right now, amen's the deal, because she did. Okay. Here we go. Number, the next one we talked about, so we have real peace, real access, real hope, real love, and we have a real great future. It's fixed because of what grace accomplished. And then the last one, a real joy. Real joy. Peace, hope, and joy. You'll find those all through the scriptures. Those can be yours and they can be real when you're in Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? It's exciting to know that Jesus Christ paid for all of that just for us. How much did you deserve? Zero. How much can you earn? Zero. It's a free gift that he paid it completely off. Nothing owed. Nothing you can add. You want to live by the law? There's no life in the law, the scripture says. The law, let's talk about it for just a second. What is the law's purpose? Just to fine you? You know, let's say you're, let's say you're cruising through Silver Star. No one's ever been caught there probably. It does slow down there. <laughs> Some of you are laughing. You didn't even know that, did you, Diane? Yeah, it's true. Lynn, Lynn probably will share that with you, though. But what happens, the law there is what? Is to protect people, isn't it? Now, in the sense of the Old Testament law, the law in which tell the Ten Commandments, for it, just take the Ten Commandments for a moment. How much life is in that? How many of you have been perfect keeping all of those so far? And, and, I mean, you know, never missed one. You're just, you're really doing well. You've got it, got it down. How many? Nobody. Excuse me? <laughs> There's a few maybe you haven't done, okay? But the interesting part, and that's an interesting concept, because, because one of the things we talk about is, have you ever, did you ever take a class that was difficult and the teacher felt sorry for you as a class and marked on the curve? I had a physics class that way, and our teacher was a very kind man, and we were losers. But he took the high grade as being an A. It was easier to attain when you're marking on the curve. The thing is, is God can't mark on the curve because he's perfectly holy and perfectly just. He can't mark on the curve. It's got to be right. It's got to be perfect. What a God we serve. What a God we serve.
Have you ever had that thing when you've lost all perspective where you were going? It just happened to me. My sequencing just got short circuit. It's never happened to anyone else. Thank you. Very good. As we, but as we think about grace in the, in the sense of its entirety and its purpose, think of how it's changed the world. Think what can happen to your life when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, you can do it right here in the quietness of your heart. Right now, today, if you've never experienced the grace of which God has laid out, He's shed abroad, you can do it right here in the quietness of your heart. God's ready to do business. He's never out of, he's never out of touch. He's, you never get put on hold. Don't you love that? I was uh, actually... Uh, I was on hold. My, my wife and I, we, we received a dishwasher from our kids uh, at Christmas time. And I, I won't say the name of the company because that's not the point of this. But it's supposed to, it was under warranty. It's supposed to have free parts, free repairman, right? After two hours of waiting on the phone, I said, who cares about the free parts and the free repairman? Just get the thing fixed, right? But God is never on hold. He'll ne- he's there 24-7 all the time. That's the kind of God I want to have. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, I want, I want to turn to that. It's a great passage. Because as Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth, he understands perfectly today what you may see as a very unique and a very difficult situation of which you would say no one understands. I'm here to say that Jesus Christ does understand. In verses 15 and 16 of Hebrews chapter 4, it says this. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of that, that Jesus Christ was perfect and he had understood the walk and talk that we have, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a wonderful verse. What a wonderful God. What a wonderful gift of grace. The provisions, the gifts of grace that are yours. Appropriate them today. Let God work in your life. Let him have everything. Real peace, real access, real hope, real love, a real eternal future, and a real joy. Is that not a robust way for us to live a life? (laughs) With that, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your provision of grace. Thank you for the the sacrifice that Jesus accomplished on Calvary's tree. Thank you that he did not bail out. Thank you that he didn't pull an excuse and say, you know what, they're just not worth it. He took the road. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that he endured the cross with joy. Endured the cross with joy, almost unimaginable, and yet he did it for us. He fulfilled exactly what God had set out to do before he made anything, and that was to provide a perfect sacrifice for our problem. Father, thank you as well that grace is not just for salvation, it's for living and for being held. Father, we give you these moments. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for all of the gifts that you have given to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen.